Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Weekly Podcast with me, Peter Watson. I'm joined as usual by my friend, ex-colleague and all-around genius, uh, Ralph Hebgen, to discuss some of the week's major happenings. Hi there, Ralphie, how are you doing today? Hey, Peter, I'm good, I'm good. Marvellous, marvellous. Brilliant. Right, so... Week, I understand somebody yeah. record the podcast and yeah. went to the park instead to have fun with their family. Outrageous! I don't know. Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know who who, who that was. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're back. We're back. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, move, move, moving swiftly yeah, on. Quite. Moving, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, all um, uh, yeah, all all, all good um, this week. So. However, uh, we had a bit of a chat uh, before this, and the bad news, uh, we get, get the bad news out of the way, um, is that Ralph is frustrated, aren't you, Ralph? Yes, sir. Why is yes, that? sir, I am a little bit frustrated. I mean, I will list not all the reasons why I'm frustrated. That's going to take too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to list. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I'm frustrated because, I mean, what, what we're doing here basically is supposed to be a business podcast. So we yep. are supposed to be talking about business and, of course, the wider world of business, which is the economy. Mm-hmm. However, at the moment, because of Mr. Putin's invasion of the Ukraine, it really mm. isn't possible to talk about either of these two subjects without mm. mentioning the war in Ukraine. And mm. the reason is obvious to everybody. It's, it's, it's just a dominant driver of mm. the economic malaise which we are currently in. And, and we, mm. we, everybody knows why that is. I'm just going to repeat what everybody knows anyway. So it's mm. obviously because of energy prices. Mm. But it is also because of a food crisis is looming. And then there are knock-on effects of this because both of these things, energy, energy prices, well, energy crisis, but also, of course, leading to high energy prices, mm. food crisis leading to high food prices, that's going to squeeze people's wallets. People are going to be unhappy about this for obvious reasons. And mm. that may well mean that, um, well, let's say unscrupulous politicians, populists, Mm. Uh, are going to find a ready ground for people to hear their often simplistic messages. And of course, I'm talking about Le Pen in France. So once Mm. we go there, we might actually get a politician in power in France who has said that they wish to take France out of NATO and out of the EU. So in the end, all of this is intertwined in such a way that mm. it, it's sort of inextricable. You cannot talk about business without talking about the cost of uh, uh, the um, the inf- uh, what's it called cost of living crisis, yeah. inflation. Yeah. You cannot talk about that without talking about Ukraine because mm. it will be crucial to how long this particular crisis is sustained. Uh, whether and to which degree the mm. fighting in the Ukraine is going to stop. Yeah. So that's uh, a little, okay. I mean, frustrating. I mean, you know, this is what frustrates me. Obviously, I do not have to contend with the with the heart-rending uh, tragedy of people who live in the Ukraine. But uh, mm. from our point of view, I find that I find that unfortunately a little bit. Um, mm. um, yeah. Mm. Frustrating indeed. I mean. 
it is like all conversations lead to Putin, really, don't they? I mean, it's you know, Currently. whatever you whatever you start with um, ends up being well, you know. Ultimately, it depends on what's going to happen with um, Russia Ukraine, how it's going to end, when it's going to end, yeah. um, and you know what's going to happen after that. You know, because I I think obviously you know the the mo- most likely scenario is probably going to be that we're going to have. You know, Putin is going to be in power. Things are going to go sideways. Businesses aren't going to be able to do business in 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 uh, in Russia. Um, uh, well, certainly not a hundred percent freely, anyway. Um, even if there is some kind of um, uh, agreement of, of some kind as part of a of a end to the war, um, I think the businesses will still be reluctant to go there because if Putin, as long as Putin is in power. Um, there is always a chance that something like this is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So people that, you know, businesses will be reluctant. Um, on the other hand, you know, if there, if it, it, it may be that if he somehow um, is removed from power uh, or steps down or something or something happens, um, then uh, and someone comes in who is perhaps versus, you know, um, more Western friendly than Putin, um, then I think there could be a, an absolutely massive boom. Um, I think that um, there could be, uh, it could be, it could be that there will be huge M and A opportunities if they open, you know, if they open, are willing to open up the borders and things like that. Um, there will be a lot of um, lawyers and um, you know, investment bankers, private equity. They'll all be clamouring to get over there um, to, to be a part of, of the M and A, which I think will inevitably have to take place because lots of um, companies will be in a much weaker position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there could be a boom, you know, there could be a boom, but it would only ever take place if Putin is not in power for whatever reason. Yeah, yes, I, I, I think that's right. And, and again, of course, that, that's sort of my frustration, isn't it? Because mm. what we need to sort of talk about a little bit is when we talk about inflation, consumer confidence is how sustainable is the current situation? Where mm. is it going to go? Where are bills going to go uh, before they're going to get better? And how long is the, all, all this going to take? Mm. And the time set, uh, so the time frame is set by Putin in the mm. end. Mm. Because, I mean, there are basically three scenarios, or maybe there are only two. I mean, one, one is that Putin somehow um, is able to achieve what he will be able to sell at home to his people as a win, as a military mm. win, mm-hmm. in which case two things are going to happen. He's not going to be pushed aside, mm-hmm. but the free world is not going to start trading with Russia. Mm-hmm. So the sanctions are going to be perhaps even intensified, certainly not modified. So they're going to remain in place. The longer that's going to happen, the more uh, Russia's economy is going to crumble, is going to go back to the level of the Soviet Union, people are going to become very unhappy. And Mm. eventually, I think time has shown that people who are people, um, dictators, Russian dictators, Mm. who are responsible for such a economic malaise are going to be pushed aside. But that is going to take longer. Mm. Then, in the second case, which is if Putin loses in a clear and indeed humiliating way, Mm -hmm. uh, then I think he's going to be pushed aside pretty 
quickly. And mm. then we have two situations. One is the next Putin is going to be Putin again, mm -hmm. uh, in, in which case uh, we go back to my first scenario, sanctions remain, etc. Mm -hmm. Or, and this is of course what we all would be hoping for in an ideal world, we're going to find some sort of politician in uh, in 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 Russia who would be looking mm. to establish a more moderate approach mm. to the to the free world. Yeah, I yeah. think what that would mean is that it would buy us time to emancipate ourselves from Russia in terms of energy. Mm. And that would just basically alleviate everything. And in other sectors, mm. it's what you said. Some things might come rushing back and we're certainly going to get a um, recovery, a correction upwards, basically, from, from where we are now. Yeah. But uh, in, in the end, I'm pretty convinced that we are not going to go back, we, we being the free world here, the free world is not going to go back to uh, start uh, unmitigated trading with Russia in the post-Ukrainian scenario. Who, whoever is going to arise from this as the next um, leader of, mm. of the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? So, yes, I think that's, we, we you know, there, there's, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, the only way that things could get appreciably better is if, mm -hmm. essentially, if Putin was not in power. Yes. Um, so, otherwise, it would just be too difficult and it, things would go sideways and possibly get worse. Um, over time but anyway um so from that let's let's move on to um <laughs> let's move on uh from that because we want to try and and finish you know want to we want to do what we um set out to do which is talk about um economics and you know business related stuff um mm -hmm. but um but i think um you know I, as i always say um when you want to know what an economy is doing you generally need to see what the consumer is doing and how yes. they are feeling um because most um, advanced economies are driven by consumer spending so um what, you know one of the ways of of, of looking at, uh, at how uh, consumers are feeling is is looking at what's happening with the property market uh it res specifically the residential property market although um i would actually say that uh, we are in currently atypical times yes um because you know the the, the supply of, of um uh, new properties on them or uh, supply of properties on the market is is still not quite meeting demand um and the other thing as well is is there's been this i think artificial boom um where people have been uh, or some people in some areas of of um of real estate have been putting been able to put more money in and and you know move out um to find more space and all that kind of stuff um but the other thing uh, is is what people are spending their money on generally isn't it yeah um, yeah exactly so uh so yeah i mean i you know this week i was um talking about what we are spending our money on what we are um trying to spend our money on what we're not spending our money on so what do you reckon yeah no absolutely i mean basically first of all you're right i mean pro property prices are weird i mean property prices mm. are in, in 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 an odd bubble and that is basically uh, still the impact of covid where everybody was leaving the cities uh, because they could because of the working from home flexibility mm. uh, which was of course completely new and then people were basically saying well rather than commute into london or manchester or whatever mm. i i'm just going to buy myself a nice cottage or something else in, in the countryside Mm -hmm. And uh, property prices did go up, but they were property prices in the countryside. Here around London, of course, it's sort of the countryside 
areas which are trainable, where we can actually go in by, by train quite easily. Mm. So property prices across Kent uh, shot up. Mm. And, uh, and it's actually interesting. I saw that also, the sort of announcement from state agent association, I think it was, that if the situation goes on uh, like it is at the moment, then in about two months' time or so, people are running out of stock, where stock mm. relates to new properties coming onto the market. Mm. Now, the reason that I mentioned that is I thought it was interesting because I had seen the exact same announcement, mm. I think, 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. Where, where the same thing prevailed. I mean, people clearly had not run out of stock at the time, mm. but it looks as if there's a clear housing squeeze. Um, nevertheless, that's, that's not quite what we're talking about, is it? It's consumer mm. confidence. It's Absolutely. this ca- kind of stuff which we buy. Mm. It, it's not as if we are leaving the house and thinking, oh, I might buy myself a cottage in the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's more um, the other stuff. And and mm. there I, I, I find that um, I... What I see is, uh, but clearly going back to the dynamic which we keep mentioning, just to reference it, cost of living crisis, people's mm. wallets are being squeezed. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, people are now clearly thinking, well, how can I actually lower my household expenses? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the first sort of stuff which goes is where, where you have duplicates. Say you yeah. are an Amazon Prime customer, and you get Amazon Prime video through mm. that. Mm-hmm. Do you really need Netflix as well? And I don't necessarily want to talk about Netflix. I understand you've been talking about this for obvious reasons uh, mm. during the week, but mm. it was still astonishing to me to see the announcement that they lost 200,000 subscribers mm. when the mm. city was expecting 2 million uptick in, mm. in, in, in subscribers, and that was mm. just for the quarter. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is uh, is interesting because it is a. It, I think it's symptomatic. I, I I don't know in the end where this comes from. I don't mm. think Netflix has offered reasons um, to to make us understand what drove that shortfall or that drop off in. Uh, in, in new subscribers versus expectations. Mm. But but my guess would be that it is not just Netflix's, <laughs> oh, that's funny, the, um, the uh, let, let's say, responsibility of Netflix not to offer interesting content. Mm. I would expect it to be a direct consequence of people uh, lowering the household expenses. Mm. Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Everyone's just looking at the moment. They're looking for the easy stuff to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like you say, it's duplication. If you've got, um, you know, Netflix, Disney Plus, and all the rest of them, um, you're going to look at which one or ones that you are going to be cutting. Because, I mean, that's that's quite. It can be quite a lot. I mean, it might be, say, thirty quid a month or something, or or, or maybe mm-hmm. more, fifty quid a month. You know, which and that plus a few other things will will certainly add up so you know it does does make um uh yeah it does make sense um so i mean we we are um so that i mean that's what that's one thing that we are um not spending our money on um uh but um but i think that there are things i mean we are spending money on on you know real essential stuff um mm-hmm. like beer for instance <laughs> um <laughs> in, in it's um you know heineken saying that uh 
Um, their you know, beer sales were particularly str- strong, um, and we've we've been going for um, uh, stuff at the uh, you know more more of the premium stuff apparently. Um, but we've also been buying um, you know consumer state consumer goods companies like P and G, like Nestle. Um, you know they're all they're doing very well as well because of course yeah. because they are staple consumer <clears throat> goods, um, they people have to buy them. Um, so during this, you know, during this time when everyone is, is is thinking of budgets, all this kind of frothy, sort of you know, nice stuff, but isn't essential like streaming services. Um, they are going by the wayside, whereas the um, basics um, are doing very well. <laughs> I think I still think it's massively amusing that beer is emerging as a basic staple food that is absolutely essential and you cannot do without it. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, oh, just buy some more beer. Yeah, buy beer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, there's a pyramid of needs uh, yes. in, in, in psychology and the bottom rung is, I think, something like uh, food, obviously, and yeah. then cl- clothing and then it's housing, etc., etc. The, these are your basic needs. I mean, if you apply this to clearly what is happening in the UK mm-hmm. as evidenced by consumer spending through the cost of living crisis, beer, beer yeah. is at the bottom here and is, is, is clearly important. Now, what is interestingly interestingly also important appears to be chocolate because nestle has done massively well yeah uh, well it's comfort eating isn't it i mean that's what it is exactly it's i like, was just going to say that yeah precisely. not feeling so good not feeling so good i think i will have a chocolate bar mm-hmm. <laughs> um no and... no i think I, but i think that's right it is mm. absolutely custom uh, comfort eating and it's also comfort comfort being or whatever you mm. go to the pub to be with your mates and have a good laugh and of course mm. you you down a few pints i mean that that's sort of what you need in times like this mm. you know mm. but interestingly netflix you might say is also sort of comfort stuff i mean you're, mm. you're at home and you, you you binge watch a box set mm. um but um yeah i mean so, something has to give mm. in particular i'm guessing because also people are perhaps going to work I mean, longer hours. I mean, that, that, that's a bit contentious because there is the opposite uh, dynamic, of course, as well. But my, my guess would be that um, e- employers are going to want to get more out of you. Mm. And for you to make sure that your job is going to be safe, you're going to have to uh, put in put in some, some elbow grease. Mm. So in other words, maybe I'm making this up a little bit, but I'm sort of guessing that the time during the day, which is which is genuinely free time mm. might perhaps be squeezed by an hour or so. So you're going to have mm. less time to watch uh, telly anyway. It's interesting actually you say that because I have to say, I, I, I agree with you, right? Because but at the moment, or I've forgotten whether it's right now or very soon, there is going to be an experiment that's going to go on around the world mm-hmm. um, for a four day week. Yeah. Now, I know. That's what I was thinking of. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, you know, it's a good idea. And I mean, who 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 wouldn't like a four day week? Um, but I think it's one of those things, initiatives that can happen now while labour markets are tight, and while I would say it's a candidate 
um, focused market rather than an employer focused market. And therefore you can do this stuff. But I think that once things take go, go down, start getting, you know, uh, um, not so tight again, um, and maybe more people come onto the market because maybe there are more redundancies because of more higher costs, um, you know, either incurred through unionization, put, pushing up um, wages and stuff like that, for instance. Hmm. Um, you know, if employment starts rising, I think things, initiatives like four-day week are, are going to go out the window. Um, well, that would be my guess as well. I mean, a four-day week is is, is, is a bit of a bull market um, yeah. situation where be, be, because it basically presupposes that your productivity... Um, or, or, or the efficiency of the uh, production is increased because mm. in the end, if, if you allow people to work 20% less mm. during the week and you give them full pay, mm. then obviously that's not going to be economical unless no. your production efficiency increases by at least 20%. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or alternatively, if you actually say to people, we're going to pay you less but 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 i I don't think that's part of this model but if it was then obviously you have just received a pay cut by 20 percent. thank you very much yeah but that's that's not how this model works but of course in the end that is sort of implied because clearly clearly if uh, your productivity efficiency is not going to go up and stays the same yeah from a company point of view yeah. Um, you have just increased your labor cost by yeah. 20%. Yeah. And, yeah, and this is not going to be sustainable, I don't no. think. No, no, I agree. So, yeah, so there you go. I mean, we, I, which, I is think... by, which is just, just explained, which is why I said that I think the, the pressure is more going to be on the opposite short term, mm-hmm. um, that you actually, you know, the onus is on the employers to actually work more, I think, rather mm. than less. Hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah. So there you go. So um, I think, you know, obviously things are going to get tighter for the consumer. Um, uh, you know, inflation does seem to be going up. We've got, you know, projections, I think we're talking about 8%. I mean, you know, uh, I guess we've just got to be um, uh, grateful that we don't live in Turkey, for instance, where the inflation is 61%. Um, so, you know, and, and, and that is the pro- you know, the problem is there. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, the reason why people over there are so into cryptocurrency, because your rate of inflation is so ridiculous that you think, well, I mean, I'm losing money anyway. So I might as well um, I might as well give it a, give a um, crypto a punt because I might make some money on. You know, I'm more likely to make money on that than I am <laughs> leaving my money in the bank, you know. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, it's, a, it's a tough situation. But um, but anyway, um, so yes, things are going to get tighter. Um, I think you know spending is going to become more focused. I suspect that consumer staples companies are continue to do well. I think that um, Aldi, Lidl will do very well. I know yes. that I know that um, uh, Tesco, Sainsbury's, etc. They price match. You know, particularly Aldi. Funnily enough. It's always Aldi, not Lidl, um, but it seems to me anyway. You know, they're always price matching. Um, you've got the 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 big supermarkets doing, um, keeping their 
uh, you know, like their essentials ranges, although I can't call them essential basics ranges. Um, there's an, there's an, a, a there was a legal battle going on between, um, uh, what was it? Was it more? Oh, I forgot who it was now, but it was, it was, um, uh, Waitrose and Asda, I think it was, because uh, I think that they the, used the word essentials, which mm-hmm. was, you know, but yeah, but anyway, my point is, is that I think that Aldi and Lidl are still going to do well because the perception is that all their stuff is cheaper. I mean, that is, I mean, whether it is or not, and whether there's price matching or not, it is essentially, they are, they are, everyone will see they're cheaper. So I think those discounters are going to do really well. Yes. Staycation is going to do really well. Um, casual dining is going to do really well because um, people will want to do something um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe going out to some kind of family type restaurant is something you can do. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, those those kinds those kinds of things will do well, whereas like the more, you know, bull market type stuff where I, so when I say bull market, I mean, when the economy is doing really well, when confidence is really high, um, all the, the, um, the time poor cash rich stuff will start to do well as well. Cause I mean, things like, I, I would have thought that your, um, uh, takeaway delivery stuff, I think your rapid grocery delivery as well. I think those kinds of things should do badly. I mean, whether or not they will, I don't know. They should because they are prices that you really don't need um, in, in yeah. your life. Um, so, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, like I say, it's not going to be bad for absolutely everyone. It's going to be bad for a lot um, and, and, and a lot of companies and industries, but it's not going to be bad for absolutely everyone. Um, well, no, yeah. no, indeed not. I mean, it always depends on the demographics of the consumer, of, of mm. who demands what. I mean, as you say, or the sort of cash rich time poor type um, businesses like Ocado for example who mm. who, who uh, caters for those who are too busy to go to the supermarket mm. I'm I'm guessing that would still do well mm. but things like um, was this business called something called fresh or weekly fresh? Uh, hello fresh hello fresh <laughs> yeah hello fresh yeah. now that may not be doing so well it seems to be something which is the result of a of a bull market and and even people who have the money might think that uh, at the time that their electricity bill is going to go up visibly what do i really need to do this can i not just nip down to the supermarket after work and buy mm some milk or whatever and uh, download the recipe from the internet and cook it myself mm. you know so these are the businesses which i think do well in the bull market but they are the froth which is going to disappear very quickly i'm i'm, I'm guessing mm. yeah i mean we shall i don't know i think it's it's one of those things that we shall have to wait and see um but um but anyway yes so um right i think we're going to finish with uh you know um it, with talking about poison pills um so, again. poison pills so so this is not putin we're talking oh i, I no, shouldn't no, make no, 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 no. Of course, no. <laughs> so poison pills um uh yeah the the M&A. Uh, the reason yeah so the reason why this came up is because um elon musk is trying mm-hmm. to buy twitter yes. and um and what's happened is is that um twitter have wanted to slow him down um so they have adopted a poison pill 
which yeah. in this case, so a poison pill is a, an either um, a, an action or a set of actions that come into play um, when a, you know in order to try to fend off unsolicited um, uh, takeover approaches. So mm. in this case, it's you know once someone hits over fifteen percent shareholding. Then a whole load of new shares are released, which basically dilutes the um, uh, the shareholding and therefore the power of the um, entity that is trying to take over the company. Um, and, and you know they they've adopted they they've adopted this uh, basically to try and slow stuff down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know he has now said he's you know he's he's got the finances together to make a, a you know a full bit. Um, now. I think it's interesting. So we we will we'll no doubt be um, uh, revisiting this topic again, p- poison pills. Um, uh, but um, I just think it's really interesting because I haven't heard of poison pills really for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it, you know, back in uh, back in the midst of time when I was, um, uh, you know, stockbroking and covering the Japanese markets, um, one of the things I used to do because we didn't have low, we, uh, one of the companies I was at, we didn't have tons and tons of, of research analysts. Um, I actually used to get sent to Japan and I used to visit companies myself, um, which I know this is this is an absolute shock and horror for some for you for you particularly, um, uh, and and others who will think you know in, in bigger companies have got massive research departments. But I used to go over there. Um, I used to have probably about five or six meetings a day with you know five or six uh, different companies for a week, um, and I then had to come back and then tell all the clients of you know, what I thought the companies were like, whether they were worth um, investing in or not. Um, so we did all the, you know, what what's going on strategically and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We did it all in Japanese as well, which was fun. Um, and cool. uh, and so, yeah, you know, one of the, th- at that point, um, there were, there was, the, there was a big theme in Japan whereby um, a lot of companies, uh, Japanese companies post-war had um, it, um, bought, shares in other companies um, in order to stop hostile takeovers and these are called fr- cross shareholdings so mm-hmm. they were just strategic they weren't meant to be anything they were um, they were just meant to stop um, uh, you know companies whatever making approaches um, because it meant that the free floats i.e that the the, the uh, amount of shares that were generally in circulation was low and it mm-hmm. was so low that there wasn't a possibility of a takeover um, however um, at that point, when I was um, visiting all these companies, um, I asked every company, have you got a poison pill uh, policy? And then they would tell me whether they had, whether they hadn't, and what it was if they did have one. Um, and I think that was very interesting because that happened at the time because um, because of a lot of investors had been historically saying that Japan's a nightmare to invest in because of all these crash, cross shareholdings. So there was a move to unwind the cross shareholdings mm-hmm. to sell these things off to make it so that, uh, you know, outside investors were able to invest and have a voice. Um, anyway, that was that was a while ago. But here we are now and we're doing we're seeing this now. Now, I wonder whether this is going to be something that a lot of boardrooms um, are going to be thinking about. They might go, do you know what? Actually, maybe we should do this because this will prevent uh, uh, unwanted approaches. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, but I, you know, I spoke to you obviously because you have in your in your uh, illustrious career in the city, <laughs> um, you have covered some massive companies. But you, I don't think, but it's not very prevalent, isn't it? I mean, your sector was, um, is, well, you know, is insurance. Well, I mean, there, there are um, the various things which which echo from what you just said. I mean, the, specifically uh, back in the mist of time. I mean, this is now <laughs> going back twenty or thirty years even. Mm. There was a sizable cross shareholding between Allianz, the German insurance company, and Munich Re, the German mm. uh, reinsurance company. And over time, that was wound down for mm. precisely the reason which you have just stated. Because mm. in the end, these cross shareholdings, they don't serve any purpose no. then uh, for forming a defense to outside takeovers. Mm. But there is nothing else going on with this. So basically, this is um, mm. something which isn't really in line with with shareholder, with modern transparency of ownership, and with an investment strategy which is governed by um, a goal to increase the return for shareholders. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so these kind of cross-shareholdings have been wound down in, in, in sort of my coverage as well. Mm. Now, the, the, the particular poison pill defense is, of course, something specific. And this is specific to a hostile shareholder being on the cards. And, and, and it has to be hostile, obviously, mm. um, be, because there, there's something funny with a poison pill defense. Because as you said, what it is, is that it sort of allows shareholders to purchase discounted stock in mm their own company. Mm -hmm. This is basically how it works. I mean, new, new shares are issued at a discount and existing shareholders are sort of expected to purchase these. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what happens then is, of course, that the, um, the uh, ownership is diluted and it will cost the, an acquirer, a hostile acquirer, commensurately more mm. to achieve control. And that is, of course, the idea. But if it costs the acquirer commensurately more, then that is also the cost which the current shareholders put up for the defense. Mm -hmm. You see, this is an important point. I mean, poison pill defense, of course, not uh, free. And, and shareholders are asked to basically, basically put up some money in order to avoid being taken over by a management team seen to be seen as hostile. Mm. Um, and, and so there's there, there's the question. I mean, this is a philosophical question. I mean, if, if there is a takeover target or m a target of any kind on the table, then obviously uh, the, the, the the board of the of the of the target company is obliged to put this um, to put the price out to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. In the end, it will be an economic decision whether. Um, the shareholders wish to sell the company at that price or not. Mm -hmm. and, and so in this particular case, what you have is it, it's a, it's a trade-off again, mm -hmm. isn't it? or, or a mm -hmm. contract. It's a, it's a cost and a benefit. The cost is yeah. you are buying in, in, in Twitter's case uh, specifically, I think it's 15% mm -hmm. stake mm -hmm. um, uh, in your own company, which dilutes the, uh, the, the, the ownership. So that's the cost and the benefit. Mm -hmm that the existing management is allowed to continue. Mm. And that is going to be only a cost if you believe that Elon Musk is not going to be to, to be able to bring 
uh, economic uh, value to Twitter, which exceeds mm. that particular cost. Yeah. And so, yeah, so if you analyze it this way, then this is very much a case-by-case -case decision. But mm. I think it might actually come back if, if, if hostile takeovers are going mm. to Mm. I mean, we shall see, won't we? But I do think that a lot of boards will be looking at this now. And they'll be thinking, should we put one in? Should we not put one in? Um, and it may well be something that especially private equity firms um, will be will be looking at very closely. Because I think that um, a lot of private equity firms have done extremely well uh, over the last few years with you know some very well-timed investments. They've got lots of money. Um, and I think that, um, you know, assets because of energy price rises and other, you know, cost rises will be suffering and they need, you know, they need some kind of injection of, of finance. And the private equity firms are one of the few, uh, you know, entities that, that can en enable that. Um, mm -hmm. So, so um, you know, it'll be interesting, but I, I think that the times you know the, the good times for um uh, you know private equity are going to be coming again you know if, if you think that there have been some cheap assets during uh yes. you know made available during the pandemic i think they're going to have a second bite at the cherry again um once you know as as uh, inflation continues to take hold and and you know consumer confidence and all that continues to plunge um that there, there are going to be some very potentially very interesting assets coming becoming available again indeed absolutely and and of course the dynamics are always unfolding in this way this is like um like a sine wave isn't it currently mm. on the downturn obviously mm. but sort of going back to how we started this i mean it depends on the time scale dictated mm. putin in the end but um um, what, what uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Mm. Where, oh yes, but obviously because of the economic uh, predicament which everybody is going to be in, mm. the, the European countries and the US, the free world as well, just as much as Russia, mm. uh, what we're seeing is, going back to Netflix for example, we're seeing some unexpected and dramatic casualties on the way already. So one of the distressed assets, would anybody have believed it, let's say even two years ago, might well be Netflix, mm. for example, or businesses like that. And these businesses are clearly there to offer some very real and transformative value in, 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 at a time when, a, when an economy is functioning normally. So private equity might actually very well seize the moment and the opportunities which are being presented itself now mm. and um, to be ready for the, for the next upturn. Mm. The next upturn. <laughs> Let's just sit back and think about that. Yeah, you always have uh, to yes, think about the next exactly, up. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know what? I'm always very much, um, you've always got to try and think about the positives about situation. Try and get some positives. And the reason, be the reason being um, that I always find if you don't look um, for the positives, you tend not to see the opportunities. Um, you tend to yeah. see everything as a failure and it's not working and it's not going to it's never going to go well. And as a result, you end up shutting down either, you know, uh, uh, directly or indirectly. You, 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 you might not think you are, but you are in terms. Of, and when I say shutting down, closing your mind um, to, to fit new things and, and, and whatnot. So so I think that, um, you know, although I will I will admit 
Um, you know, I, all I, what I try to do every day in Watson's Daily is to try to, you know, bring together the essence of what I see in the newspapers. Um, and I'm always trying to keep it neutral. I'm trying to be, if, if not, you know, try and find some positives out there. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that it, there is, a, you know, a tsunami of um, of bad, you know, of, of very pessimistic news out there. I mean, it, you know, I was thinking about this um, this week, actually. Um, I remember probably, I don't know, probably summer last year. Um, yeah, we kept on seeing consumer confidence going up, it's going up, it's going up, it's going up. And, you know, I was I, I remember saying on, on, on podcasts and, and, you know, various other calls that I do um, that, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's getting boringly positive. Well, here we are, you know, oh, yeah. oh, not, you know, less than a year later. And yeah, but the thing is, at the time, I thought, well, it's not always going to be like this. And that's the thing as well, is that it's not always going to be like this either. You know, so they, so yeah. um, that's the thing, you know, he's always got to remember that these things can really change. And sometimes they can change very, very quickly indeed. Well, um, in the, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm going to offer a terrible platitude, but I just can't help myself. Mm. Um uh, it is always darkest before the dawn. Yes. I'm so sorry, guys. I mean, I know we've all heard this before, and it doesn't yeah. really help very much if you are in the dark. But <laughs> if you think back to this century, I mean, we've had a lot of crises already. We had the World Trade Center, and then we had two financial crises, etc. But it, just look at what the stock markets have done after the uh, two financial crises, which were very severe and incisive indeed. We've had an unmitigated bull run in the stock markets, and we've had uh, advances of of unparalleled note in the technology sector. These mm. dynamics are not dead, um, but but they are, of course, inhibited by the situation we are in currently. Nevertheless, mm. um, you, the, the Another platitude, but it is true. I mean, history is always moving on. Times are always changing. Of course, we're not going to be in a perennial bull market. And currently, we have an externally induced situation from the geopolitical situation in the Ukraine. That mm. also is not going to last forever. Mm. And uh, I think we all, what we all can, all we can do on a personal basis is to accept some individual responsibility for how we lead our lives and just basically be flexible on our personal basis. We can't change what the political scenario is going to be mm. and look at the world and be ready to grasp the opportunities that are out there. And there mm. are a lot of opportunities. Mm. Out there. there always are. Yeah. Certainly if you're a private, you know, if you're a private equity firm, for um, example, <laughs> at the moment, or if you are a lawyer, uh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. work for a private equity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. the, the, the the possibilities are endless. Exactly, exactly. Right. Anyway, so let's uh, let's 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 finish on on that note. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, you know, obviously we'll we we'll back again next week um, as usual. Um, you know, I've got no. There's there's no. <laughs> Oh no! Hold on. Is there, when? When's the next? I'm just having a look at my calendar here. What's What's the day today? So, all right. So, um, I'm just trying to think. I was going to say, oh, you know, there are no, there are no more bank. 
pod, but there aren't more bank holidays, aren't there? But anyway, we will be back anyway. You're you're trying to identify days in the calendar where we do not have to do this. No, no, but we do, but we do, we, you know, we do. I mean, it's good, it's good fun, this. And and so, um, so we are definitely going to do it. Anyway, anyway, so for the foreseeable future, uh, on the, you know, at the end of the week, we will do this. So don't worry, we will be back. Anyway, so thank you very much indeed. It's always a massive pleasure um, to, to have you on here. Um, and um, yeah, we'll um, leave, leave it all there and uh, and have a have a great uh, you know a, a great time whatever you're doing sure. on this weekend, etc. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Peter. Cheers. All right, bye. Then, bye.